And now, if you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is an easy book to find in the Bible. It's right in the middle of your most published Bibles. You could just open it up and turn to Psalm 46. It is the prerogative of the preacher to shift his text based upon the providence of God. And so for those of you who have been with us at Christ Church, you know that we were finishing up a series in the prophet Micah. Uh, we will do that next week. We'll look at the last section, the last chapter of Micah. But this week, given all that is going on in the world, it seems to me wise to find comfort and direction from God. And the comfort and direction from God that we need is to look to Him, to see that the Lord is indeed our strength. And so now let us look at Psalm 46. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. For the word of the Lord is completely inerrant. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the word of the Lord is completely sufficient. Psalm 46, beginning at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has wrought desolation on the earth. He makes wars to cease the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would attend our way. That your word would strike us deeply in our hearts. That it would take deep root that it would forge us more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That even as He trusted in you in the darkest hours of His life, that we too would trust you. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. What do you do in unusual times like this? Times of a pandemic of social distancing, of economic difficulties, of a roller coaster stock market. I think the first thing that you need to do is to realize that while these times are unusual, they are not unique. There have been troubles before. Wars, plagues, depressions. 
And then I think you need to realize that the course of action for believers has always been the same. To trust the Lord and to look to Him. This morning, we look at a particularly helpful psalm. It was Luther's favorite. It was the inspiration for his mighty hymn, A Mighty Fortress. When Luther was discouraged, when he was on the run, when he did not know what would happen to him, he was fond of saying to his friend and cohort in ministry, Philip Melanchthon, Come, Philip, let's sing the 46th Psalm. And so we're going to hear from the Lord today in this psalm. We're singing this psalm today, if you've noticed that in your worship bulletin. Three times we're going to be singing different versions of the 46th Psalm. And what we see here in this psalm are three things. First, that the Lord is the strength of His people. Second, that the Lord is the strength of His church. And then third, that the Lord is exalted in the earth. Let's begin then by looking at verses 1 through 3 to see that the Lord is the strength of His people. Now, this psalm opens with a bold declaration of who God is. Do you notice how often the Bible begins the discussion that is had around difficulties and problems? That it doesn't begin with us. It doesn't begin with our problems. It begins with God. And this is not because the Bible is unconcerned about us, but it's because we can only understand our situation in light of who God is. The greatness of God points us to Him. We should especially seek God in times of trouble and difficulty. And the greater our distress, the more our need is for Him. And the more we should be aware of that need. The psalmist begins by telling us about God that He is our refuge. Now, notice the pronoun here. God is not a refuge. He's not even the refuge. He is our refuge. He is the one that we go to as our refuge. And this describes the defensive aspect of the Lord's strength for His people. How the Lord defends His people. That He is the one in whom we find shelter. The Bible continually speaks about God as the one we turn to to protect us. That's because He is unchanging. He is always able. He doesn't grow tired or weary. He doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't become weak. No, God is unchanging. And no, what, no matter what our circumstances are, we can always turn to the Lord for refuge. Now, this is especially important in times like this. We may think that circumstances are beyond our control, but they're not beyond God's control. He is always there for us. He is the place where we find shelter. Nothing else is a refuge for you. Not money. Not your skills. Not your business connections. Not even your family. No thing is a refuge like God is a refuge. 
But then the psalmist begins to describe the empowering aspect of the Lord's strength, that He is our strength. Now, the Lord then is the power that we need for action. He empowers us to take action when we need it most. In situations like this, don't we feel powerless? Like there's nothing that we can do? How are we supposed to go on? Well, the answer comes to us from the psalmist. We look to the Lord. When we are weak, He is strong. But God is not just abstractly our refuge and our strength. He is so for His people. He is a very present help in trouble. Could there be more comforting words for us to hear? And the aspect of this is especially comforting. He is a very present help. The idea is that God is ever ready to help us. The root of this word, very present, is to be found. The idea is that wherever you look, God will be found there. That you can seek Him out. You never have to worry that you'll be in a situation or in a circumstance when God is not to be found, when you're left on your own. No, God is always there for us. And then in verse 2, Psalmist begin, turns with a therefore. Now you've heard me say this before. Whenever you come to a therefore in Scripture, you need to look back to find out what the therefore is therefore. This is a result word. This is a surely this is the case word. And so the psalmist is building on his declaration of who God is and now telling us how it applies to us. Because God is who He is, therefore, this is the result for you and for me. Now, this is an important therefore. It's not just a call to us to be strong and brave. I might do that to encourage you. I might say, don't worry, things will get better. We'll get through this like we always have. We'll band together. We'll pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We'll find a way. We're a people of ingenuity, and we will find an answer. But that's not what the Bible says. God has given to us ingenuity. He's given to us common grace. He's given to us means, but not as a substitute for Himself. Therefore, because God is who He is, we will not be afraid. That's the statement that the psalmist gives. We will not fear. That is the result of knowing God. Because of God and who He is, we will not fear. God's people are not dismayed. You may have seen recently in the news calls to tell you not to panic. I've written several communications to our congregation telling them that now is not the time to panic. That is not just wisdom of man. This word here for fear means to panic. And so the psalmist is telling you, because God is who He is, because He is your shelter, because He is your strength, because He is your help, you will not panic. You'll trust in God. Now notice also that the verb here has a continual sense to it. 
It is the typical response of God's people. It is something that should be our response each and every day. Not just when things are worst. Not just at certain times. But our response always to all circumstances should be not to fear. Not to panic. Because God is our refuge and our strength. And the context in which the psalmist says this makes it even clearer to us. It would be one thing if the psalmist would tell us not to fear when the stock market was climbing and when everything was good and when we were on vacation, sitting at a beach, basking in the sun, wondering, could life get any better than this? But the psalmist gives us a much darker context in which we will not fear. It's at the worst of times that we will not fear because God is our strength. If you think a pandemic is bad, listen to the psalmist here. He says, we will not fear though the earth gives way. The idea here is that the earth is turned upside down. Now, you may think that the earth has been turned upside down in these last few weeks. And I acknowledge for you that these are very unusual times. But for most of us, Netflix still works. Our phones still take and receive calls. The internet's still up. Our families are still around us. There is still a sense of some normalcy to life in the midst of all of our difficulties. What the psalmist is saying is, even if the world was turned upside down, we will not fear because of who God is. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Now, the psalmist is intentionally talking about the most sure and certain things on earth. Could you imagine a mountain moving? Could you imagine a mountain being pushed aside? And though the psalmist says, if the mountain should slip away, is his language, slide into the oceans, if that were possible, we still won't fear. The commotion of the world is overwhelming. Look at verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, everything that seemed secure is secure no longer. That's the context for this call to trust the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Do you know that you don't need to fear? The Lord made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth to reveal the character and presence of God. He came that you might trust him and not fear. There is no better time to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ than right now. Well, the second stanza of this psalm, psalms are the ancient hymns of Israel, the second stanza, if you will, beginning in verse 4, begins on a positive note. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. You almost can't read that and not have your spirits uplifted. If the first stanza speaks of God's help to us in trouble, this speaks to God's blessing to His church. Because God is more than the God of individuals. He's also building up His people, the church. That's what the psalmist means by the phrase, the city of God. 
Jerusalem is a picture of the church that Jesus is building now in this New Testament era. The picture is set forth in all of its greatness at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21, where God dwells in the city with His people, the new Jerusalem. Now, contrast what we see here about the waters and the chaos of the waters that we've seen previously. There is a river whose streams make glad. So whereas the previous waters roared and foamed. Now here we picture a stream, a river flowing. Can you almost hear the babbling of the brook? Can you see the light dancing off of the stream? Does it bring you to a place of peace, contentment, quiet? That's the image the psalmist wants you to have. The waters don't roar anymore. They make glad. And so what we see here is is that the Lord changes not just our perspective. Do not hear the psalmist say, in spite of everything that's out there, look differently at the world. What the psalmist is saying is, is that God changes the reality of the world. The world will not forever be a place where there is sickness disease, and dying. Jesus Christ came to undo the fall. And that means not just saving sinners from their sins, from the the death that they are due, from the penalty of hell. No, it means restoring all of creation. There will be a day when there will be no more earthquakes, no more tornadoes, no more poverty, no more sickness. Because God will establish His people on the earth. The psalmist is not just saying, don't worry about the world. What he's saying is that God changes the world. God brings a reality of blessing to his people. And then in verse 5, we read, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And so we see here that God dwells with his people. If we see that the psalmist tells us that God changes reality, our next question would be, what changes reality? And the answer is that God is with His people. He is in the midst of His people. Not just nearby to help them, but He is right there in the midst of them. Have you ever been afraid as a child? Perhaps it was at night when you heard a noise that was unfamiliar and you needed help, you needed security. Perhaps one of your parents came into the room and calmed you down and said, there's no need to worry about it. I'm just outside in the other room. I'm just downstairs. No, nothing's going to happen to you. Now you can get some comfort from that, can't you? But what if your parents said, I'm going to sit right here on the bed with you until you fall asleep. You don't need to worry. I'm right here with you. You can reach out and touch me. I'm not going to leave you. You can be secure knowing that I'm right here with you. That's the picture you should have of how God is with his people. John Calvin put it well. He said, if we desire to be protected by the hand of God, We must be concerned above all things 
that he may dwell amongst us. For all hope of safety depends on his presence alone. God is with us. But God is not just dwelling with us. The psalmist tells us at the end of verse 4 that God makes his dwelling with us. It's not just that he is being with us. He makes his home, his dwelling with us, the holy habitation of the Most High. You see, we know this blessing is ours because God does more than dwell with his people. He makes the place of his people his dwelling. This phrase, holy habitation, most often in the Old Testament, refers to the tabernacle, the place where God's name was put. It was the place where God dwelt. Now, it's not as if God physically lived in the tabernacle or lived in the temple because there's no place that can contain God. The scriptures tell us that. Common sense tells us that. That how could the creator of all things be contained in something he's created? But God did choose to make that the place that was known for his name. Where his people could find him. Where he had chosen to be. What a blessing God is to his people. He is with you in the midst of your trials. Now this is not just talk. It's exactly what Jesus did. He came to earth and dwelt among sinners. He saw the effects of sin all around him. He saw the fear of his people and Jesus brought hope and peace. God is with his people. But don't be confused by thinking that that means that life is easy. You see, when we think that, as life gets difficult, we think God's no longer with us. But the psalmist tells us that God is with us when life is not easy. Look at verse 6. The follow-on from God dwelling in the city of God and being in the midst of His people is that the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Now, there are, seni- there are plenty of so-called preachers who will tell you that God wants all of you to be healthy, to be wealthy, and to be happy all of the time. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. Well, this week I wonder where these so-called healers are. Why has the pandemic not been thrust out by their might? Why have they not called upon God to use them in these particular ways. It's because they have a wrong view of the scriptures and of God. That God does not design for his people to be always healthy, wealthy, and happy. That's not his design. God designs to be with his people in the midst of their circumstances. Because when we think God must exempt us from trouble, we begin to doubt God. But that's not what the Lord ever says. He says that He will be with us, that He will never leave us nor forsake us. God's presence among His people will not exempt them from trouble, but from perdition in trouble, David Dixon says. He will not exempt the bush from burning, but from being consumed. What a wonderful quote by that famous Puritan David Dixon. Picture that image in your mind, Moses at the burning bush. And the bush is burning, 
God doesn't prevent the bush from burning, but he prevents it from being consumed. That's a picture of the church, because the church has experienced persecution throughout all of the ages. Kingdoms and empires have tried to destroy the church, and they have caused great distress and pain, but they have never been able to consume the church. The church is visible and powerful in the world today because God is with her. But this, when we hear of the Lord being our fortress, also means that the Lord is our help. God will help her when the morning dawns, the psalmist says in verse 5. Because the Lord is in the midst of the church, she will not be shaken or moved. The earth and the mountains may be moved, but not God's people. You see, the language that's used here in verse 6 of the nations raging and the kingdoms tottering is actually very reminiscent. The verbs are the same verbs that are used in verse 2. The earth gives way. The kingdoms totter. The nations rage. The waters roar. The picture here is, is that it's not only the natural world that is in upheaval, but our world that is in upheaval. Even when times are toughest, blackest, we might say, we wait for what? The dawn. And God is in the dawn. He will never abandon His people. Now, lest you think this is just an encouragement from Scripture, God has given us an actual example of how He does this. You may remember when the Israelites were freed from Egypt, And as they were leaving Egypt, Pharaoh changed his mind yet again and went after Israel with an army. And Moses, at God's direction, had led Israel right up to the Red Sea. It seemed a foolish maneuver because the Israelites were trapped between the sea and the Egyptians. They were sure to be destroyed. It was the darkest hour. But then the morning came. And the Red Sea parted. And the Israelites passed as if on dry land, and the Egyptians were consumed by the waves. God delivered his people at the break of morning. Just like he promises here to you and to me today in Psalm 46. God is also decisive. That's what makes him a fortress. When you think about people that you know that are strong, They're not wishy-washy, are they? They don't have difficulty making a decision in a crisis. They take action. They're decisive. And that's who God is. Look at verse 6 again. He utters His voice. The earth melts. And the Hebrew there is very interesting. It's even more staccato than the English. The idea is there's not a bit of explanation here. God speaks. And the earth melts. That's what happens. The psalmist is applying to life and circumstances the idea that's found in verse 2. That just because everything around us is in chaos does not mean that God is not able to deliver. The last thing that we see that describes God as our fortress is that He is powerful and mighty. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our fortress. This is where Luther got the title for his hymn. 
a mighty fortress. The Lord is a stronghold. It is a high tower, a place that cannot be overcome. A few years ago, I traveled to China, and I had opportunity to go to the Great Wall of China. And you hear about it, but I have to tell you, you cannot appreciate the Great Wall until you stand upon it. And you see this wall rising up from a valley, hundreds of feet. And you wonder how any army could even hope to try to attack that wall, let alone overcome it. It is a high tower. It is inaccessible. You picture an enemy army coming up to it and looking at it and saying, I give up. Let's call it a day. And they leave. That's what God is for His people. He is a high tower, a stronghold. We can never be safer than when we are with the Lord. Well, it is one thing to say that we trust the Lord. It's another thing to see that trust vindicated. And that's what we see in verses 8 through 11, that the Lord is exalted in the earth. The psalmist wants us to trust the Lord, and so he calls us to look, to see the works of the Lord. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. The word here for behold is used of seeing with the inward eye, of marking it, of knowing it. Knowing something is true. Are you willing to look beyond your situation today? Now is the perfect time to study church history. For many of you, you have extra time on your hands at home. Even if you are working from home, especially here in Houston, you are saving several hours a day in commute. I encourage you to study church history with some of the time you have. You can see how the Lord has delivered His people from plagues, from wars, from persecutions throughout the century. No trouble is too big for God. God has conquered the problem of sin. And sin is the plague of plagues. See how in Jesus Christ, how mighty a work God has done. And then the psalmist looks forward to the time when God will establish His reign. How He has brought desolations on the earth. God is exalted when He establishes His will on the earth. We must never forget who is in charge, who is sovereign. When we do, that's when we fear. When we forget that God is in charge, that's when we're afraid. Because we think the world is out of control. Now I have to tell you here this morning, I am not afraid. And that's not because I don't expect some kind of science fiction scenario to play out in our world this year. It's not because we don't live in a film. It's not because I think our scientists are smart and they're working hard, although they are. I am not afraid because the Lord will never abandon His people. He will establish His kingdom forever. And nothing can stop that. God's power leads to peace. Look at verse 9. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. You see, God establishes His kingdom with His power. He doesn't negotiate with His enemy. 
He brings peace, but He brings it through victory. He brings about desolation. It's the kind of peace that comes when total victory has been won. When the weapons of war themselves are burnt and destroyed. We have a picture of this. When Sennacherib brought his army to Jerusalem and taunted the king of Judah, saying, your God can't deliver you. None of the other gods have delivered them. You should give up now. There's no might like my might. And then we're told in God's word that in one night, 185,000 were killed by the angel of the Lord. The threat was completely wiped out. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, about the, the resources that the Lord has. One angel wiped out an enemy army of 185,000 soldiers. And God has legions of angels. And angels are but a dim reflection of his own power. God's power is infinite. Part of what we are called to today is to see the exalted power of God. We saw it in the power of nature that came to us here in Houston during Harvey. When a gigantic force of nature struck our area, we felt helpless because there was nothing we could do about it. You can't turn off the rain. You can't push back the floodwaters. But now here we see the mighty power of God in a completely different way. We see it in a microbe. In something so small that it's impossible to be seen with the naked eye. There is no one like God. He is exalted. He is our king. But then the psalmist turns to us in verse 10 and says, Be still and know that I am God. He tells us to trust the exalted one. Now, many of us are familiar with this verse, and I think we misunderstand it. We think this verse is about quiet contemplation. That what this verse is designed for us is in our morning of normalcy, we're to get up with our cup of coffee or cup of tea and sit at a table with an open Bible and be still and know that he is God. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that or that that's unadvisable, but that's not what this text says. The psalmist is telling us that this is a strong call to leave off from the chaos in the world. It's not a whisper. It's not be still. It's be still. It's the kind of way a mother speaks to her child who is fidgeting in the chair next to her. Be still. Stop that. Leave off from doing that. That's what the psalmist is saying here. He wants us to stop and recognize God's majesty and authority. We have an account of God saying this to us. It's found in Mark chapter 4. When the seas were roaring and raging, does that sound familiar to you from this psalm? When Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and they thought they were all going to die because Jesus was asleep in the boat and they tried to rouse him and said, Lord, don't you care if we perish? And Jesus got up and he said to the waves, Be still. And there was calm. There was an end to the raging. 
God is calling upon you today to take your eyes off the world, off circumstances, off your fear, and to place them on Him. This is a declaration that God the Lord is King. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord knows that our nature is that we want control. We want to be in charge. We want to think we have everything handled. That's why he brings circumstances to us, like the present, to remind us that he is the king, that he is our hope. A pandemic is very bad, but it is worse to run from God. To deny who he is and his claim upon you. We trust in God because of who he is. He is our fortress. He is our strong tower. He is the God of Jacob. He is the giver of grace. You remember the story of Jacob, the trickster, the liar. And God showed mercy to Jacob. He changed him forever. He gave him a new name, Israel. And he showed him his mercy and grace. These are unusual times. But they're also not so unusual. The world is always in commotion. Some of you can remember world wars, depressions, and devastating natural disasters. We would like to think that the world is generally a peaceful place where we don't even have to think about God. But it's not. It's a place where the earth gives way, where mountains slip, where waters roar, where nations rage. It's a place where sin brings pain and uncertainty. But do not forget the Lord. He has not forgotten you. He sent His Son, Jesus, to live and to die so that you might be free from sin, death, and hell. Why would God abandon you now? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your strength. He is your hope. Let's pray.